This is a podcast by The Straits Times and Money FM 89.3. Off to America we go. Uh, what's happening there? couple of headlines that we are looking at more closely. For the first time since the Russia-Ukraine war started, the U.S. will be helping transfer Soviet-made tanks to Ukraine. Oh. Uh, plus, I hear former U.S. President Donald mm. Trump returns to Michigan for a rally. <laughs> Thrills and spills, I'm Ready, sure. Set, go. <laughs> Finally, uh, we'll also be looking at something else more important, some might say, than Donald Trump. Amazon workers in New York making history by voting to form a union. Oh, very nice. Okay, we've got Nirmal Ghoshi, a spirit chief for the Straits Times on the line with us. Good morning, Nirmal. Let's uh, talk about that first issue there. The Biden administration announcing that it'll work with allies to transfer Soviet-made tanks to bolster Ukrainian defenses in the country's eastern Donbas region on top of the Pentagon's commitment to provide 300 million U.S dollars in security aid to Ukraine. What has contributed to this decision to transfer the tanks? And what kind of signal does this send? Good morning. Uh, well, of course, number one reason is Ukraine needs the military hardware. Their stuff is also being destroyed. Last week, Ukraine's President Zelensky asked NATO for just 1% of the alliance's tanks and aircraft because Ukrainian forces did not have enough to break through the Russian blockade of the city of Mariupol. Additional tanks would enable more counter-offensives like that, which would be politically important for Zelensky and not good news for Vladimir Putin. A second very important practical reason is that Ukrainian armed forces are familiar with Soviet-made weapon systems, so they can use them right away. And underlying all that is tremendous public support across the Western world for Ukraine in this fight. So the governments are trying to do whatever they can to help. But short of supplying things like fighter jets and so forth, that would almost inevitably lead to escalation. Now, Nirval, something else that made the news over the weekend was Donald Trump taking the stage in Michigan to rally his base and get their support for his slate of Republican candidates who are aiming to take on Democrats in key races this fall. Talk to us about the two Republican candidates that Trump is backing. And of course, how exactly will this move to endorse candidates before the convention for down-ballot races actually shape the party's race in Michigan? Yes, Trump endorsed Matthew DiPerno for Attorney General and Christina Caramo for Secretary of State. And he called on Republican delegates to fall in line and unite behind them at their convention on the 23rd of this month, April 23rd. And he told the crowd at this rally, this is not just about 2022, this is about making sure Michigan is not rigged and stolen again in 2024. Now, Michigan is a swing state. Donald Trump scored a surprise victory there in 2016. He quite narrowly defeated Hillary Clinton, but he lost Michigan to President Joe Biden in 2020. And Donald Trump maintains the 2020 election was rigged. That remains his position and his rallying cry, even though the party filed and lost over 60 lawsuits challenging results across the country. Now, for 2024, it is simple. He wants to make sure his loyalists are already in key positions of power at the state level. And that means people who believe or go along with the belief that 2020 was stolen. It's been a very nasty campaign. DiPerno is an attorney and he has railed against traditional elites controlling elections. He has urged party delegates to, in fact, storm county conventions this month to help make him its nominee for attorney general. This will be interesting to watch because we will know the outcome in three weeks and it will be an early indication of the power of the Trump endorsement in a swing state. 
Nirmal, let's talk about Sarah Palin. Uh, we'll remember her as a former Alaska governor and the Republican nominee for vice president back in 2008. So now she says she is entering the race for Alaska's lone congressional seat, making her return or marking her return to national politics. How has the news been received so far? What kind of influence are we talking about here as far as her participation on the Republican Party and the overall Senate race goes? Tell us more. It's a bit of an unknown at the moment. It's a bit early to say. She has a lot of name recognition. Of course, everyone remembers her. She was governor. And then came the campaign as running mate to candidate John McCain. And she, in some ways, had a brand of politics that has now become mainstream. And the Republican Party in between has been taken over by Donald Trump and by Trumpism, so to speak. But while her personal name recognition is, of course, very high, her actual popularity has not been that great. It is a crowded field of candidates, and this could well be another test of the Trump endorsement. She spoke with Trump on the phone the other day, apparently, and filed her candidacy after that. Trump and his allies have been heavily involved in Alaska. We can probably expect an endorsement. This podcast is available on our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Like us and rate us. And now, back to our podcast episode. Another woman making the headlines, Jen Psaki, the White House press secretary. She's in advanced talks with MSNBC to join the network after she leaves the Biden administration. Uh, to what extent do you think the issue of ethics will come up? You know, she's conversing with media outlets while presently still press secretary. Would this have an influence on her role in the media industry in the future? In short, no. This is a well-known revolving door in D.C. There's a long list of former White House officials who went on to media. Some of them came from media in the first place. Among them has been Simone Sanders, who was chief spokesperson for Vice President Kamala Harris. She joined MSNBC. Nicole Wallace, who hosts Deadline White House on MSNBC, was once communications director for President George W. Bush. Fox News hired Donald Trump's former press secretary, Kayleigh McKenney. And George Stephanopoulos, one of the star anchors at ABC, was previously communications director for President Bill Clinton. So this has been going on for a long time, and any number of former administration officials also appear as guest pundits in the media as well, or are paid as guest pundits. In Jen Psaki's case, she was asked about the ethics issue, and she said there are White House guidelines, and she is following those guidelines. All right, Nomal, final issue. Uh, and we want to talk about this quite historically. Amazon workers on New York's uh, Staten Island have just made history becoming the first group to vote in favor of unionizing at a U.S. facility operated by the country's largest e-commerce company. Tell us more about the significance of this and what it would mean for the future of employment laws and, of course, worker, worker organization in the United States. This is hugely significant, not just as legal precedent, but in principle. And by the way, last year, the first corporate Starbucks branch in the U.S. unionized. And after that, 10 others have voted and only one voted against unionizing. The latest and largest Starbucks to unionize is the company's flagship store in Manhattan. It's a big store, 100 employees, and they voted 4636 just last week to unionize. This was the same day. Amazon unionized at that location. So this Amazon case adds to this momentum, so to speak. These are industries with high turnovers, workers are constantly under pressure, and there is no job security. But nothing is going to change overnight because Amazon has long fought to stop labor from organizing, and they will continue to fight to delay talks with the union. Because now, rather than getting to dictate pay and benefits and working conditions as it does across this whole network, 
Amazon will have to negotiate those details with this union leadership at that facility. And the company is not expected to make it easy because they also want to avoid setting even more precedents. All right, we've been speaking with Nirmal Ghosh, U.S. Bureau Chief at The Straits Times. Thanks for joining us, Nirmal. You stay safe and take care. The Asian Insider Podcast channel is also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Like us and rate us.